Uh, every one of you guys that are serving in, uh, have been serving and have served and are serving, uh, we, we are thankful. We couldn't be here without you. So we're thankful for you. Let's give them a hand. And uh, I didn't want the kids to get out so they could be a part uh, because Lisa is retired Navy. And if you don't know, she was um, a bossy person in the Navy. It was really good. No, none of you had a clue about that unless you know her sister. Then maybe Dana, you, now you understand a little bit more. Amen. So thank you guys. Uh, children, you may go. History makers out the back. Miss Lisa's class that way. And uh, thank you. It, uh, I think it's a big deal. And uh, truth is, Jesus really was the first, first responder ever. You know, what do you do when hard times happen? You know, who were the first ones out in the storm we just went through? Who, who were the first ones out before the storm even hit? They were getting ready. Who are the ones who go whenever there's problem and, and things facing uh, the integrity of our country? And, uh, you know, when Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit were together in heaven before anything was he decided he would come into the storm of this world. He decided he'd come right smack dab into the middle of our problems and our darkness. And, uh, you know, I want to ask you a question today. I want to deal with something just real quickly that I believe is really important. And it's a question. What do you do when your prayers go unanswered? What do you do when you've exhausted every possibility to get through what you're facing? What do you do when you've tried everything and still nothing's shifted, nothing's changed? What do you do when someone you care about and you're praying for them and you're praying for them and you're praying for them and nothing changes, no freedom comes, no deliverance comes? The days pass, the weeks pass, months, years. What do you do? And that breakthrough doesn't come. You know, I want you to know something, and this is something I, I believe this is. It's so cool that we've sang so much about Jesus this morning. Because the struggle's real. The struggle in this world is real. The problems you're facing are real. The things we care about, the, the mountains we go around over and over and over again, this is all real. Persecution's real. Disappointment's real. Walls that we hit and we hit and we hit and we hit. Falling down is real. Mistakes are real. You know, uh, I want to talk about the struggle today. I want to show you, and you know, it's, it's interesting, what do you do? I think that's a personal question. If we were just me and you talking, I would ask you that question and you'd give me answers, right? What do you do when your prayers aren't answered? Do you pray harder? Do you pray with more fervency, more passion, um, depending on what tradition you come from? Do you pray louder? Do you scream do you sacrifice? Do you cut back on your things that bring you pleasure? Uh, do you fast? 
Do you call the prayer warriors together and get as many people as you can to pray about this thing that's not happening? Do you give God all the reasons why He should answer what you're praying? You know, like, oh, you know, you know, Missy's a good person and she deserves to be healed and blah, 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 blah. You know, uh, I need them. <laughs> I need them in my life, God. Would you save their lives? What do you, how, what do you pray? Do you fast? Do you sacrifice? What do you do when prayers go unanswered? And it's real for all of us. It's real. You see, Jesus knew when he came in this world that there was going to be a struggle. That it was going to be hard. He knew that. He prayed once, Father, if there's any way besides this way, let, it be, let this cup pass from me. God, let this cup pass from me. And he prayed. He even asked his friends to pray with him. And they do what friends often do. They didn't. They fell asleep. And Jesus woke them up twice, right? He prayed with sweat blood. I can't imagine any more passionate prayer than what Jesus prayed that night when he was struggling. And it was hard. And he prayed. And you know, I've often said every answer, every prayer Jesus ever prayed became true but that night he said if there's any way and then he went to the cross right so does Jesus have an answer to this I mean we've all struggled with it and you know some you know what we do sometimes whenever our prayers aren't answered we just ignore it and pretend it didn't happen <laughs> that's in one way right uh, sometimes we get discouraged and we just quit praying. We quit believing. We quit lifting up His name whenever we're facing a problem. We choose to trust the things of this world. Maybe there's something else that'll take away my pain. Maybe there's something else that'll break me through this addiction. Maybe there's something else. Jesus, you're not answering, so I'm going to try everything the world has to offer. And many of us have gone down that path. And some of us are stubborn and we did it for decades and decades. You see, but I think we look to Jesus for the answer, right? I love this passage in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, I believe Jesus understood exactly what was going on, right? He knew that you and I were going to face things that we couldn't overcome. That we couldn't change. What do you do when you face one of those things? And Jesus told us. And look what he did. In Hebrews 14, 4, 14, he says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. And listen to what it says about Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. You see, you, are, you and I never go through any struggle that Jesus didn't go through. He's our everything. 
And how did he handle it, the struggles of this life? Because he went through every struggle you and I go through. There's nothing you face, there's nothing I face that he didn't already face. So I think we look at Jesus. We look, we look at him. And you know, when he was on the cross, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, and uh, actually it's going to be, when he was on the cross, it says about three in the afternoon, he's hanging on the cross between those two thieves. You can read the passage in the Gospels. And he cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And most of our world has taken that one statement, and we don't read it the way that the Jewish people who live with Jesus would have read it. You see, he made, he began that statement, that was Psalm 22. It's the first line in Psalm 22, and we're going to look at Psalm 22. The first line in that psalm are those words. And then in John 19, 28, when you get down to verse 30, you find the last thing that Jesus said when he was hanging on the cross. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. You know what the last thing Psalm 22 says? It is finished. You see, every Jewish person, the, the Pharisees, the, the leaders of the temple, every person, the government, every Jewish, good Jewish kid knew this psalm by heart. And when Jesus quoted the first line of that psalm and the last line of that psalm, he was saying the whole psalm is true. And what, he, what that psalm declares is, God never left me. He was with me all the time. That psalm gives 33 accurate prophecies of what happened to Jesus on the cross. In that one psalm. 33 things that happened were all stated in that psalm. So Jesus quoted those. And everybody knew that psalm. You see, Jesus was saying the truth, and it's true for him, it's true for us. The struggle in your life is real. It's real. Don't belittle it. Don't ignore it. Don't act like it's not there. It's real, and it was there for Jesus. So let's, let's look at Psalm 22. I, wanna, I just want to point out some things about this psalm, make it real, clear, real, real clear to you, okay? Jesus did. This is the psalm that King David wrote. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus died on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, that's the first thing the enemy's going to do to, to take your legs out from underneath you. So he's going to get you to ask why, 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 why. And the enemy does something whenever we, we get that question why. The first thing we do is we turn it towards us. Why have you forsaken me? What's wrong with me? Why don't you love me? I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not your favorite. My God, I cry out by day, and but you do not answer. And have you hit this place in your life yet? Do you know that days are bad, nights are worse? See, this is King David. 
King David struggled in his life. And I want to show you something. In the midst of those struggles, he, he had amazing victories. You see, Jesus struggled. But guys, when we struggle, we overcome. Because of the Savior, the one that we serve. So, he said, my God, I cry out by day, you don't answer. By night, I can't find rest. Does that happen to you when you're in trouble? You have trouble sleeping? Hmm. Come on, we do. When you face an insurmountable obstacle, when you get your heart torn out of your chest, when the worst nightmare of your dreams happens, our minds start running. We start trying to fix ourselves. We start trying to work our way out of it. We try to think of solutions. We go through scenarios in our mind thousands of times. And David knew that. He knew that thing. And so Jesus, when he quoted this psalm, he goes on. And it's, you can spend a long time studying this. David said, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. By accusation, he's saying, yeah, you saved them. What about me? But I'm a worm. I'm not a man. Scorned by everyone. You see, it goes from this trouble to now all of a sudden all of these other emotions get wrapped up in this one thing. And this real problem turns into a problem that's everywhere in your life. And he says that. He says, you all mock me. Look, look, everybody despises me. Everybody scorns me. You see me, you, all who see me mock me and hurl insults at me. They're all judging me. They're all shaking their hands at me. I go, oh, you know, you know him. You know her. And that's what happens when you get into this spiral. And it's a death spiral. And then they begin to mock your trust in God. Well, you're praying, aren't you? Oh, he trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Listen, I want to challenge you today. Let's put the Lord to the test. Let's test him. What have you been relying upon when you face those things in your life that have taken your legs out from underneath you? What are you relying upon when you're laying awake at night when the lights go out and everybody else is sleeping and you can't find rest? What do you rely upon when the pain doesn't go away? When the problems don't go away? What do you rely upon? What do I rely upon? I can teach you lots of coping mechanisms if you want me to. I know lots of them. A lot of internal ones. You don't even need to pay for the ones I'll give you. They're free. But they're very unhealthy. And you know what? They've never solved one problem. Painkillers don't solve the problem. Pain numbers don't solve the problem. Let the Lord rescue him. I want to challenge you today. If you're facing this hopeless place, maybe you've already quit praying. Maybe you've quit asking. Uh, it'd be a good day to start trusting Him. 
So I want to finish this psalm. It's a very important psalm. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You see, the first, the first way you begin to crawl out of this pit is to admit there's a problem. First thing you do. The second thing you do is what you see him doing in this psalm. You begin to remember the good things God has done for you. God, I was born. I mean, I think everybody in this room made it out of the womb. Like, you survived. And listen, I remember being born. It was traumatic. It's a horrible experience. I don't care. Born in water, out of water, doesn't matter. It's like, it's not pleasant. Remember what God has done for you. Remember what he's done for you over and over again. Start thinking about the things where you know God is good to you. And you begin to remember. Did Remember when the first time you ate. You can't remember. God gave that to you. He said, uh, he says this. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there's no one to help. That's the next step. If you want to get out of this, you have to come to the place where God, in you and you alone, do I trust. God, I trust you. Even though everything is turned south, even though you're, you're circling the drain about to go down, I trust you. Even though the thing you've prayed about doesn't happen. You see, I think in our world, we've been, we, we are so tempted to trust knowledge and insight and stuff instead of trusting the truth. Him. You see, God, I was praying for a new car. I need a new car, God. You know how much I need a good car. I, I'm going to go to work. I'll pay tithe with what you give me when I'm getting work with a new car. And, you, and all of a sudden, your focus becomes the car, and the whole time your focus needs to be on Him. You see, I think that, that we, get, we get confused, and we start trying to do things on our own when the truth is it's all about Jesus, and He's good. And then He says this. He says, uh, my heart's turned to wax. It's melted within me. Heart's your strength. That means your strength. God, I don't, I don't have the courage to go on anymore. I don't have the strength to get up again. I've been knocked down too many times, God. You see, you have to come to the place where you, you admit these are true. It's all true. Dogs surround me. That stands for the enemy. He's always whispering in our ears. He's always speaking to us through other people, through the media, through everything. He, he, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce. See, this is all Jesus. He, you think you, Jesus, didn't know your world? You've suffered no pain that he didn't suffer. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. Literally. They whipped him till his flesh was cut where you see the bones in his back and his shoulders, his arms. They do, and you know, it's, they glow. They stare at you and they gloat at you. Have you ever experienced that? Where you know people are judging you? You know that they think you deserve this? You know that they're judging you? Jesus experienced that. They were staring at him and they were gloating, mocking him. 
Who was he to say that he was the son of God? Who are you to say that you're a good person? Who are you to say that you can get up out of that darkness? You're your past. That's what the enemy wants to tell you. You're just an accumulation of all the events and all the acts and everything you ever did from here back. That's who you are. You're a loser with a capital L. You see, that's what the enemy says. That's what the devil wants you to believe. He wants you to judge yourself based off of events and happenings and lacks and mistakes of your past. Then the worst thing, he's after this one thing. They, why did the Bible say this so often? All this, they say this, they divide my clothes among them and they cast lots for my garments. That's what they did to Jesus. You know why? Because your garments are your identity in that day. What you wore actually revealed your status and who you were. They took out, they wanted to destroy his identity. And the enemy has been trying to destroy who you are. You know who you are? You were created in the image of God. You are a son and a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are right now seated with him in heaven, ruling and reigning in this world. That's who you really are. You have a destiny and a purpose. Jesus has set you free from your past. He's paid the penalty for everything. He redeemed us from sin. You know who you are? You're not who that says you are. You're who that says you are. Amen. And that's our battle. But there's plenty of people that are wanting to steal your identity. They want to keep you in your place, right? They want you to be here less than everybody else. I mean, well, you know, you made a mistake. Oh, you made a bad decision. Oh, you'll never get past this. You see, that's the kind of things that we face. And most of us just roll over and play dead. We give up. And Jesus went through all of that just like we do. And you go on in that psalm. And Jesus is crying out. David's crying out in this psalm when he wrote it. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You see, King David, when he wrote these psalms, he was going through a horrible, his life was just full of trauma and pain. I mean, even when he was young, his father had several sons and he was the least and the youngest. And when the prophet came to pick out the next king of Israel, he, he saw Jesse, David's dad, and said, Jesse, bring your sons before me. And Jesse brought all these big, tall, strapping young men. And, he's, and then the prophet said, Jesse, the king's not here. Do you have another son? He said, well, yeah, I've got David. You know David. <laughs> he's out with the sheep. You see, he wasn't looked up to. He, wasn't, he had nothing about him that was kingly. David understood. But David found something out in his life. He said, I faced bears guarding the sheep. I faced lions guarding the sheep. I faced loneliness guarding the sheep. I've been put down. I've been looked down upon. I've been mistreated. I was the, the black sheep of the family. David knew all that. He also knew God lifting him up and God lifting him up. And he, had to, he, he was played crazy and God lifted him up. He was accused of being a traitor and God lifted him up. He, he committed adultery with his mighty man's wife and had a baby and the baby died. He had the mighty man murdered. And out of, after murder, murdering someone 
his right-hand guy, God lifted him up. You see, are you letting God lift you up? Or are you trying to work your way out? That's what we do. We pray, 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 and pray, and then we try to fix it. And we try to fix it, and we try to fix it. And we try to fix it in the future, we try to fix it in the past. Then look what David said at the end of this Psalm 24, verse 24. He said, he is not, speaking of his father, speaking of God, he said, he has not despised or scorned the sufferings of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. You see, he wasn't alone. David knew something that we need to discover today. I think the enemy wants to trick us into focusing on the things we pray for instead of the source of our life. We pray for this and we forget the truth, the one who is truth. And I think in our world, I see this happening. It's very subtle and sly, but I see it happening all the time. Uh, we live in a world of knowledge and information, right? It's, a, it's on our fingertips. You can look up a YouTube video on how to do heart surgery and probably pull one off successfully just by watching the video, right? That's what we think anyway. It, it's all out there. You can find 20 ways to overcome any problem in your life. You can find 10 ways to be successful in every endeavor you ever take. You can find the 10 best uh, well, I was looking for something yesterday. Oh, razors. You can find the 10 best safety razors with long video explanations of why this one's the best. And you can find 10 of this and 12 of that and 20 of that and 20 steps to a successful life. And I want to tell you, knowledge is there and it's true, but it's not the truth. You know the difference? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I think the enemy wants us to think that there's something besides being face-to-face with Jesus that's going to set us free from our problems and our overcome our challenges. And then we judge ourselves by this. And I wrote these down because I, I was like, we really do it. Um. You see, I think we've got to realize this. I, I, the other day I was talking to somebody, and they really do believe this because it's, there's, a, there's some truth in it. They were facing a horrible emotional thing in their life, right? It's just horrible what they're going through. And they really do believe the only answer to getting through that is to have a good cry. Well, a good cry does do something chemically and emotionally in your brain, but it is not the healer and it's not the savior and it's not your salvation. You see, we study all this science. We study medical science. We study psychological science. We study societal science. And in those studies, we think we find the answer to life. And there's only one way to life and his name's Jesus. And so we focus on those things and we forget about him. The only thing that matters is, is His face shining upon you? Is He wrapping His arms around you? No matter what you ever face, He's greater than. Now that's the truth. And I think we just get, we equate, we equate struggling with the absence of God. I don't know how that happened in America because I love the faith movement and we're, we believe, we, I think trust is everything. 
Trusting Him, not stuff. Trusting Him, not physical health. Trusting Him, not... Trust is everything. But I want to tell you, the faith movement changes that, and it begets this idea in our heads that if you're struggling, then God must not be pleased with you. If you're struggling, then there must be something wrong with you. We create struggling with the absence of God. You see, David did the same thing. David equated struggling with the absence of God. And then at the end of that psalm, David said, Oh God, I was struggling. I went through hell on earth, but you were with me every second. You loved me? I thought I was alone. You see, God said, here's truth, small t. Uh, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's what the Lord says to you. But I want to tell you, that thought does nothing for you without the reality of his presence and his arms around you. That's the truth. And I think we, we turn Christianity into a thought process and we forget it's an organic union of, of you and the Son of God. A thousand times. I mean, Harvey and I talked about this and we, hundreds, we said that we could have talked all day about how we've experienced people facing the hardest things in life and every single time they get healed and it, you can't explain it by words because it's just Jesus. And we've told several. I told one, one of my, I've, had, I've got several favorites. I remember, I remember one lady, uh, devastating, devastating. Her life was devastating. She was close to just totally losing everything. She's only like 20 something years old. And, uh, she believed her life wasn't worth living. She believed that she didn't deserve anything good to ever happen to her. And she didn't believe God was with her. She thought she had done something that took you beyond God ever being able to love. And so we, we talked and talked and talked. And uh, she did. Had, she had past experiences that were horrible, right? It, uh her daddy liked her a lot, if you know what I mean. And they would, and she was starving for love and affirmation, like every child does. And her daddy started, he had a camper in the backyard, and he would take her on these special trips, and they would play house in the camper. And that's all I'm saying about that. Went on for years. And at first, she felt loved. She was only little, four or five years old. But you know what? She began to judge herself. There was an accuser whispering in her ear. She knew that what was happening wasn't good. And she began to believe that she was bad. She was dirty. She did that thing. She prayed, didn't stop. And... It's interesting, I've seen this happen several, many times. Uh, for some reason, when she got old enough to get pregnant, it stopped. Hmm, smart daddy, huh? Uh, it didn't stop inside of her heart. And so by the time she becomes a young woman, it's bad. Her addictions, her bondages are destroying her. And so I'm praying with her, 
And I only have one goal when I pray with you, is that's for you to have encounters with truth, with his, him. And I don't know how they're going to be. It's not about education. It's about soul. It's in here. So I'm praying with her. And, we're, and finally, when we got through all the unforgiveness and all that stuff, uh, I said, okay, um, I'm going to ask Jesus to walk you back through. She had one memory that was especially bad in her heart. And uh, I asked Jesus to walk her back through it. And she's going back through it. She describes everything. And after this would happen, Daddy would disappear back in the house or go to work or whatever. And her little girl self would go out, leave the camper, and climb a tree in the backyard. Don't y'all like climbing trees when you're a kid? I mean, I did. You sit, it's alone. You're in the leaves, it's shady. She'd climb the tree and she'd sit on a limb and have a good cry which didn't heal her heart. And so she's walking through that, another one of those memories. And then uh, I'm just, I can't see. (laughs) I don't see in her mind. She's telling me what happened. She said, uh, but this time something changed. I asked Jesus to come. I didn't tell her she wasn't bad. I didn't say you're not dirty. I didn't say you're a bad girl for what you did. I didn't say any of that stuff, which was all true. But she already knew that. She was a Christian. You know what happened? One of the most beautiful things I ever saw. She's sitting on that limb in the tree. And the one whose hands were pierced for us, the one whose flesh was ripped from his body for us, the one who allowed them to nail his feet to the cross. He climbed that tree and he sat down beside her. And he cried with her. Didn't say anything. Just cried with her. And she got healed that day. And she learned the truth that he was there all the time and that he loved her and he didn't judge her and uh, she got healed she was that full-blown alcoholic young lady to be such a hard alcoholic I couldn't do that for her he did it you know struggle is an invitation I think we we get messed up guys Our problems, our struggles, our persecution, our inadequacies, our mistakes, all of those things aren't what we think they are. They're all an invitation to an encounter with Him. They're all an open door. Because when you read this and you read that whole Psalm 22, you know what follows Psalm 22? Psalm 23, (laughs) I'm a genius, I figured that out last two weeks ago, when God put this in my heart, he put put that in my heart, I'm like, shoot, Psalm 23 follows 22, who wrote the Bible? He's a genius, you know what Psalm 23 is? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. 
He makes me walk and lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Jesus knew what he was doing on the cross. He said, God, it looks like I'm alone, but this isn't alone. This is the chair, that this is the cross that's going to get me to the victory. Guys, your problems are an open invitation for the Lord to have an encounter with you to bring you to where you need to be. You know, the book of James, I love James chapter 1. James is about persecution. The early church suffered huge persecution. James chapter 1, verse 2. You're going to hate this verse. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You know why? Because your trial is an open door for you to experience the love of God in ways that no one else on earth has ever done it. Harvey and I sat there for an hour and told stories to each other about people that had the worst trauma you've ever could dream of and every single time the king of glory came in your problems is an open door to have jesus come in and not here here guys your problems aren't problems so james knew that in a world that we don't live in we live in a world that says if you struggle you're wrong you're bad you're getting retribution you're being punished you you missed us you missed a you didn't check off a check box and so no that's not who god is god is just wanting to come into our world and our world has trouble it has strife it has darkness it has bondages but when i hit something beyond me i stop I don't try to fix it. You're Americans. You try to fix everything, just like me. I stop, and I let the King of Glory come in. And I, it doesn't matter what I was praying for. Well, Alan, you were praying for Harvey not to die. Yeah, but it's okay. He's gone to heaven, and I get Jesus. He's not dying. <laughs> Watch him, watch him for me, okay? Just keep your eye on him. No. You know what happened at this wind, this crazy wind we just had? I heard so many testimonies of neighbors that helped neighbors. Who didn't even know each other. People, good stuff came out of people. Not just the people we pay to be good. Just people. Guys, problems are, your, are, are like an open wedding invitation. Every problem I have is a wedding invitation. I'm inviting my bride, my groom, to come to me. Is that how you see your problems? Or do you focus on your problems more than you focus on him? Will your problems go away? I don't know. But I do know he'll come. Well, what what if I die? Oh, you really get to (laughs) go. You're going to have a great time. Well, what if I go broke? Yeah, that's a great time to encounter Jesus. Let me tell you about that. Been there, done that. You know, Jesus said he defeated death. He defeated Satan. He's now seated in heaven on a throne, ruling and reigning today. And guess who's seated with him? You see, it requires a change of attitude. Jesus knows the problems. He's still Lord. It doesn't matter what your problems are. He's still Lord. And you still are a son of God, a daughter of the king. 
And I believe today when we get there, when he said the last thing he said in Psalm 22 was it's finished. What do you mean it's finished? The same thing he said on the cross. You know what was finished when he died on the cross? He set captives free. He, he, he defeated death. And he became Lord and ruler of everything and all. You know what happens to us? In the midst of the storm, we sit down and we say, bring it. Because my Lord is still king. I'm not afraid. Jesus wants to meet you today. You see, I, I think it's good. Let's throw out a challenge. I hope the biggest problem in the world is sitting in this room right now. Because I think Jesus can beat it. I think that his presence, I don't know if he'll sit by you, he'll put his arms around you, he'll speak to you. I've seen him do a thousand different things, but the truth is it's him. It's not what he says. It's not what he does. It's not this. His presence sets you free. Do you need to be free? Do you have something you've been praying about? God hasn't answered that prayer the first thing you need to do is to let it let that go admit it's true how what are you doing you got to let that go second thing you, you need to do is remember remember he's good remember everything he's done in your life and your family and your ancestors you know what last weekend with father's was it father's day last weekend two weekends ago yeah, two weekends ago, I played the Marine uh, War Memorial, and then we all cried because we remembered what those ser people serving and their families gave up to serve us for 200 years. It's been going on here in the United States. We remember. You know what? You need to remember what the Lord's done for you, what he's done for your family, what he's done for us. Remember what he's done. And then you've got to make a choice. Are you going to focus on the stuff? Or are you going to focus on the truth? You see, I think a lot of us are trying to fix ourselves and we're not turning to him. That doesn't ever work. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No matter where you're at, I need him. And every time I've ever come to him, he comes. He comes. He'll never leave you alone. Ever. So this morning, I'd like us to go there. I know it's sort of, uh, it's hard to get there. Consider it pure joy when you face trials, when you face persecution, when you just face the hard things of this world. That's going to be joy. It is when you meet Jesus in that room always joy he's good he's bigger than anything in this world so uh, I just want to encourage you today he was the first responder to an emergency just like a lot of you have been and he wants to respond to you today so let's all uh, stand up if you can I want to uh, I really like to throw it out there. You know, it's like, uh, I think Jesus is good. Yeah, come on up.
uh, ministry teams. I think he's good. He's not afraid of any problem in this room. Any prayer you're praying that hasn't been answered. Anything, you know, there's another thing we do whenever our prayers don't get answered. Uh, sometimes we get mad. We get offended. We look at him answering other people's prayers. He didn't answer mine. We get frustrated with him. He's not scared. So this morning, he would like to know you. He would like to you to experience him. But you have to be willing to let go of your stuff. I guess first you've got to be able to admit that you have some stuff. <laughs> you know? We're Americans. We're not supposed to have problems. We've got it good. I shouldn't be ever struggling. That's not true. We all struggle. We all can't sleep sometimes. We all have coping mechanisms. Jesus wants to set you free. He's already paid the price. So whatever it is that's got you in here, even if nobody else knows it, Jesus is bigger than that. And so this morning, I just want to invite you to let go. Let go. Let Jesus do this thing. Let go of your effort. Let go of your ideas. And let him do it. So let me pray. And uh, so these guys will be up here. They would love to pray with you. Um, you know, I'd love to pray with you. Because I know Jesus will come. Every time. So Father, I just thank you that... Uh, this day when we celebrate, this week when we celebrate our independence, that you're the one who came and set us free. That you came to the middle of our problem. You didn't run from us. Jesus, I think you ran to us. That even today, 2,000 years later, you're ready to run into my problems. To my brokenness. To my habits, to my addictions, my failures, my life circumstances, that Jesus, you're ready to run straight into the fire. So this morning, I ask that you give us each courage and humility to be able to let you in. So I just want to encourage you today. Uh, don't keep doing this on your own. Jesus is here, and he wants to come. So God, I just thank you. I ask that anyone here this morning that needs you, that you'd give us the courage to go after you today. So Jesus, I just ask you to come right now. I believe the Lord is saying that it's okay for you to come home. It's okay. You can let down the walls. You can let down the guards. And he loves you. And it's okay. You can come home today. 
So God, I just thank you that your door is always open for us and that you cared about us before we ever knew you. I just thank you, King. So thank you, guys. Have a great 4th of July. Don't forget uh, communion's over here set up. And uh, he did really, he set us free so we could take communion. So uh, take advantage of that if you haven't already today, okay? All right, God bless you guys. Have a great 4th of July and safe one.